What's up, everybody? I am Kay Marie. I am Lou. I'm Mary. And we are Murked in the Midwest. Mm. <laughs> Spooky season. Are you scared? You should be. This is our Halloween. Do you episode. watch scary movies? Oh wait, no. What's the song? Do you watch scary it's movies? It's a bonus episode. Oh. It's a bonus. Episode. Ooh, I like that bonus episode. <laughs> bonus episode. Bonus bonus. bonus. <laughs> All right, y'all. So in honor of spooky season, we're gonna do something a little different today. We each have our own little little segments or stories to share with you. Um, in honor of the spooky supernatural season, and so. This is Mary, and I'm going to go ahead and get us started. And I'm going to be talking about the Emmons House in Gary, Indiana. Ooh. Also known as, what they call it, the Demon House. Demon or Vortex House. of Hell. Yeah, all of those <laughs> things. And so, um, so basically, in November of 2011, Latoya Emmons, her mother, Rosa Campbell, and her three kids, aged 7, 9, and 12, moved into a rental home located at 3860 Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana. Shortly after they moved in, that's when stuff started getting weird, right? Mm -hmm. Latoya and her family claimed to have experienced demonic possession that began when they moved in. Um, this later, another name they called it was the House of 200 Demons and like started in 2011. Where was Hugh Jackman when we needed him? Come get them. I think that's the name, right? Who was the one to play Gladiator? Because he was the priest. No. That's not Hugh. That's not Hugh. I don't know. We'll look it up. Yeah. Um. But basically, after noticing like this odd like swarm of black flies that uh -oh. kept coming up, um, the family started hearing footsteps. They were finding wet footprints. They were catch catching like glimpses of a shadowy man. And over the next seven months. Her children started to do, like, you know, experience a little bit, like, weirder things. I'll say that for now. Wait, weirder than swarms of flies? Yeah, weirder. Okay. Flies in the wintertime kind of, uh, suspect. Does that just mean you dirty? Mm. <laughs> Dang. Oh. Well, damn. <laughs> so, like I said, first it started with the flies. They tried to kill the flies, but they always came back. Like, they would kill them, get rid of them, spray them down, all that mm -hmm. stuff, and then they'd go back and they would really? all just they just build up. Okay. And then um then the footsteps started. And so like late nights, Ammons and Campbell, the mom and the grandmother, reported hearing movement from the basement. It's, they said it sounded as if somebody was walking up the basement stairs and creeping into the kitchen, but there was no one there. And even once they noticed that the lock, um, they locked the door connecting the basement and the kitchen. But they continued to hear the steps. Yes, time to go. We wouldn't be sticking around. No. First of all, I would like to point out that this is Gary, Indiana. So I'm assuming that these people are chocolate persuasion. Yes, they are. They then are, they are not acting in the appropriate manner. They are not. Because we, we don't stick around to find out mm -hmm. those kinds of things. It and ain't going to be a bunch of locking of the doors. And the flies. I would have been with my landlord. Like, ain't bro, no fucking around and finding out. No, because we're not None doing that. that. None of that. So. Then um, things took like an even darker turn. Campbell woke one night and she saw um, a shadowy figure 
pacing in the living room. Then um, later, she found wet footprints where she had seen this figure pacing. Oh, uh, see, see what I mean. Then go. But despite these events, like, they stayed and they tried hard to adjust to the life in their new home. Adjust to their demon-possessed home. Man. I just have to adjust to the swarm of flies attacking like, me every time I, I walk in. I used to it. It's, it's all right. This is new. Right. It's my uh, new normal. <laughs> but then things got worse, of mm. course. They always get worse. They never get better in cases <laughs> like this. There is no, oh, I'm witnessing possessions or stuff like that. I'll just ignore it. I won't do anything about it. It'll go away. It never happens. We've seen the movies. That's when you had to call. His name is Russell Crowe. You had to call Russell. Yes. Russell, come help me, please. Please. So, four months after the family moved into the rental home, they that's when like things were like, I guess they call it getting serious. Me? The flies were serious. serious. Okay. The flies were serious. But now we're we're really getting serious. Mm-hmm. So on March 10th, 2012, uh, LaToya and her family. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> LaToya and her family gathered. They were mourning the loss of a loved one. And that's when they witnessed uh, LaToya's 12 year old daughter levitating above her bed. Mm-mm. Y'all can't see my face. Mm-mm. That baby would have been on her own. With- I would have been up out of there. Bye. Okay, well, <laughs> what, would you, what would you do? Shed a brick. No, oh, okay. Yes. You I mean, I, I love the kids, but we could call the popo. They can come get us. This is what they did. That's outside. See, you have to know your strengths. You have to know what you are good at in life. And I know if I see someone levitating over a bed, that is outside of my scope of practice. Mm-hmm. That is not. There's nothing mm-hmm. I can do for you. I don't think you can pray that away. I, I can pray that. outside the house in a different outside, location. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Lord, fix it. You see, Latoya had a different idea. They thought they could pray. So they oh prayed. That's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. They prayed until the girl, she finally descended. <laughs> and when she woke up, she had no recollection of what happened. Well, I'm glad she didn't. I'm glad she wasn't traumatized by remembering. Then they finally started. They're like, okay, my daughter didn't levitate it. It's serious. Now we got to seek help. Now we got to seek help. They still have They're having the wrong answers. They're like, now we, we got to seek help. We have to seek help. No, we have to get out. Did you see get out the movie? Get out. Yeah. No, I like, never seen the movie, house. but I'm just saying, get out. They um they went to like you know the different churches and stuff, and most of the local churches didn't take them seriously. One said one did suggest that they might have spirits in the house, and they recommended that they clean the property with bleach and ammonia. Bleach and ammonia. I don't believe that that's what they use in the Exodus, but go ahead and draw oil crosses on all the doors and windows. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> What's that face? <laughs> If bleach and ammonia, we're going to mustard gas them first. We're going to mustard gas the spirits. But if that don't work, <laughs> make sure you put crosses on every single door and holy oil. Yeah. Did they bless? I'm assuming they bless that oil. I'm done. I'm done being so bad then, for today. They had two clairvoyants also told the family that the rental home had spirits. 200 to be exact. Now, where did mm-hmm. they come I didn't count them? that. Where, I was just going to say, where did they come up with this number? I think they get this weird like thing over them and they just speculate. I think they just like, I'm not going to say they spit out. No, it's a 200 to be exact. No, I don't think they must have 200. You know that thing that they have that like daps the thing? Yes. The clicker? Uh Uh-huh. You can ask specific questions and maybe it daps. Oh. How many of y'all is it? One, two, 
25? 40. Like, just count it all the way. 200. <laughs> like, Got it. Okay. It's exactly Everybody, clap your hands. That was on a cha-cha slide in hell. So, we laugh, y'all, because I fi- the way I deal with scary things is I, I find a reason to laugh. I have to. I'm a we barely take shit serious, and I think that's... Listen, Look we at our, our podcast name. But no. I'll tell you what, if we ever get these bloopers together, you go see we scary too. We were here recording an episode <laughs> and the damn DoorDash run when I tell you we all jumped like scared the shit out of ourselves that day. So yeah. And y'all gonna think it's a little crazy, but uh I know some people record their podcast elsewhere. We record the podcast out of my home. My home actually has a very friendly spirit. It's a friendly spirit in here. Oh, mm-hmm. it's the guy who used to live in that dad. The owner, they mm-hmm. used to live in his house. He, They moved into their new house all happily ever after and stuff. How cute. And he ended up passing away. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you, like, literally, like, if it's something that I hear a noise, like, I hear it's like somebody snoring. Mm. And it's like it's like a soft snore. So it's like comforting. It's like a comforting snore. Yeah, I like, swear to God. And I, I told no my friendly, sister, I don't want no me. I don't want no. I asked my sister when she was here. Oh, I was like, "Have you heard somebody?" <laughs> I was like, "Have you ever?" Or she was like, "Dang, you must have been knocked out because you snore loud." I'm like, "I wasn't snoring. Like I was not snoring." She was like, "It's like a soft snore, but it's loud." I'm like, "That's not me." And then, like, it'll be weird shit in my house. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, I gotta go, sis. And, like, I'm like, all right, now, nah, quit playing. It's a spirit. It's a friendly spirit. I'm gonna tell you, when I worked back in my days when I was, you know, doing that dialysis stuff, mm-hmm. um, we had a patient who told us that when he passed, he was gonna mess with us. Oh, yeah. like, no, but it's funny. Like, of course, can't say his name, Pippa, but this man told us he was gonna, and he always was playing practical jokes on us when we were inside like in there with him alive mm-hmm. and there would just be days like you know you have all your stuff laid out and the next thing you know it's gone right it ain't the so you looking like did you grab this you asking everybody no and the next thing you turn around and it's there again see and i'm yeah. like now if you don't stop it sir i know you're laughing but i'm busy and i got shit to do i can't play mm-hmm. with you today see, y'all y'all's experience with it is different when i was working as a caregiver I worked in a house, and I, it was uh, three guys that lived in the house, and they um, they had a spectrum of different things going on, like developmental disabilities, stuff like that. And there was one guy who lived in the house, and when his parents put him in the house, the mom would t- told him, oh, yeah, you know, he uh, sometimes I think he's possessed and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, she's talking to me, and I'm like, okay, okay. And they're like, I go to start working in this house, and everybody's telling me, they're like, yeah, they say this about him. I'm like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. So we hanging one day. I'm work, I was working the overnight, and my friend she was there with me because we just used to come on each other's shift and sit. That's the that's, that's that thing. We <laughs> Sir, we're in the Sir, middle of we recording. We are in the middle of recording. We'll talk to you when we're done. <laughs> oh my lord! I told you, and that's what happens. That and like literally in the middle of the night. It was like 3.30, and my sister was here, and she was like, were you talking to Google? I'm like, I was asleep, but I heard it. Girl. <laughs> Y'all just got a lot of experience. Had, it just had to happen. Of the spirit the chilling, chilling in the crib with us. But he, um, 
but we were working overnight and we randomly hear like little kids' toys going off. There was no Mm-mm. toys in this house. Mm-mm. 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 No, no, that's no that's scary. That's not that, right. And then you hear like a little giggle it's like, coming from this was like a two story house. And so we on the main floor and it's a hallway that goes into the kitchen. The lights are off, but you hear this giggle. Every all the guys are upstairs no. asleep. Mm-mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. And like I said, this I was mm-hmm. like, okay. So then the next shift, it was her shift. And um, I had told her, yeah, I'm going to stay here with you. Because we just were scared to stay in this house overnight by ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll stay here with you. She, um, her and another worker went to stage upstairs. Mm-hmm. And while they were staging upstairs, I'm sitting in the living room. And all of a sudden, I hear nails dragging down the wall. No. Nope. No. No. That's not fun When they all. came back downstairs, I was like, you know what, y'all? I actually got a call. I can't even stay tonight. I got to go. And I left. It wasn't until I called her later while she was at work and I told her, I said, yeah, so the real reason I left is because I heard something crack down the wall. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> she, and- told, she told, <laughs> now did y'all hear that part of the story? She told her after she was up out of the, after. and left, left the call with Ella. She was a different color. So she would have stayed anyway. <laughs> she made that choice for her. She said, you know what, I know what you're going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. And I'm not even going to have a discussion. Nope. Goodbye. So Gotta yeah, go. we have different experiences. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't want no friendly. No. I don't want yeah. none of that. Casper, the friendly nope. ghost. Nope. So I any, don't think I would even like Casper. Casper was a little annoying. Yeah, he's whiny. He I, kind of like he's like a ghost so Caillou. Mm, oh, I'm just the kid who's bored. <laughs> I hate it, Caillou. <laughs> so as I said, they got these two hundred ghosts to be exact. How we got the number? We figured that out. We've already mm-hmm. answered that question for y'all. So. <laughs> Facts. Whatever dark energy the home like had, um, it continued to terrorize them. The children began to speak in low voices, and they would whisper statements like, mm, oh. and see what I mean? They were not taking people. We keep talking. We're going to learn. One thing that you're going to learn, we should actually put it like up underneath the name of the podcast, Learn Contest Clues. When we have something <laughs> saying... That's time. It's been time to go. It was the kids saying it. Been time to oh, go. it was the kids? It was the kids saying it. See, them kiss me fast. But. It was like they were, They started talking. So then they like, you know, and then when they spoke, their eyes would bulge and their mouths would curl up into like these unnatural oh, so. grins like they were being possessed. Possessed. Oh, the kids didn't need whoopings. The kids need to at the house. Yeah. At the same time, Latoya started feeling lightheaded and warm like she wasn't in control of her body. Both make it feel like she actually told Indianapolis Star, she was like, You can tell it's different, something supernatural. Um, she said she claimed that her youngest son often spoke to another boy that no one else could see, and that the supernatural force threw him across the room. Uh, that's not a good story. Her daughter also started hearing voices, which told her that death was near. And that she'd never see her family again. So this effect on the children it started. They started to miss a lot of school. Um, so soon, doctors and police got involved, um, but they were not expecting what they were going to find. So on April nineteenth, two thousand twelve, Latoya took her children to the family doctor, uh, Jeffrey. I don't know how to say his name. I'm not even going to try. Mm-hmm. He took note of the children's delusional behavior including their low voices and disturbing statements. Uh, he was quoted with the Indianapolis Star saying, 20 years, 
and I've never heard anything like that in my life. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. While with the doctor, the children continued to show signs of demonic possession. Um, and according to one of the Department of Child Safety reports, medical staff witnessed Latoya's youngest son fly into the air and then against the wall without anyone touching him. Mm-mm. It's all enough for me. So Mm-mm. the doctor, Jeffrey, he was still skeptical about it all. And, um, you know, he was just kind of like, during it, he wrote, he was like, uh, his diagnosis, he wrote, delusions of ghost in home and hallucinations uh, that, you know, like he didn't witness the kids like actually dealing with anything. Like, like he just saw the aftermath of all the things, but he wasn't right. there to witness it. Like they would, they would do it, but he was just kind of like, okay, I think they're hallucinating or whatever. He wasn't like, was there lead, was there lead paint in the house? He was not fully on the supernatural train, though. Okay. And the landlord said that he never experienced any supernatural. Of course he did. First of all, first of all, what we're not going to listen to is Dago Landlord that is renting out the spooky house. Yeah, it ain't never been a problem. That house is fine. He ever said his prior tenants never said anything. He ain't going to stay in the house, though. I tell you that. He probably don't even want to come do damn maintenance. He's like, "Mm -mm, the house is fine. So more weird things happen. Um, one of the boys uh, reportedly walked up a wall and did a flip over his grandmother. Uh-huh. Um, so like I said, people had them doubts. And people. the grandma said, now, now I know y'all might be young and dumb. I know grandma was like, let me get the f- out of here. Well, this was at the hospital. This apparently happened. Oh. And a nurse and a DCS caseworker apparently both witnessed these events. I bet you grandma never brought her ass back to that hospital to see them possessed little kids. Well, she was living with them. Yeah, I bet she, I bet she wouldn't have for that. <laughs> but basically, they figured that the kids were in danger, and so DCS actually took her kids. But if they possess, you gotta get the possession out of them first. Taking yep. them ain't gonna do them besides terrorize other people. Yep. And um, Latoya's response was she was heartbroken and she said that we'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives. Mm -hmm. It was obvious we were a team and we were beating it. Whatever we were fighting, we made it through together as a team and they separated us. After the separation, um, DCS invited the Hammond Police Department to the Demon House to do a walkthrough of the home. Come come hang out at this Demon House, y'all. While inside, police officers did note a number of bizarre incidents themselves. Um, they stated that they experienced radio malfunctions, they captured the presence of a white spooky apparition, um, and they seemed to record a ghostly voice saying, hey. Hey. Fuck no. <laughs> um, there was a visit afterwards where they noted a strange oily substance dripping from the blinds. They had actually cleaned it and the substance came back. Um, then they had temporarily housed the two older children with St. Joseph's Carmelite home in East Chicago. And the youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for a psychiatric evaluation. Um, the, psycho- the psychologist Stacy Wright said the boy tended to act possessed when he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions he didn't want to answer. Oh, we got convenient possession. Mm-hmm. In her okay. evaluation, she wrote that he seemed coherent and logical except when he talked about demons. 
Uh, Wright believed the eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychotic disorder. And then she said, this appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system per perpetrated by his mother and potentially reinforced. Um, the There was more information with the police officers. They did have a local priest named Michael come in. Um, he heard about the case and he decided to investigate. Uh, he wrote a request to perform a small exorcism in the presence of two police officers in a DCS case manager. Uh, the DCS case manager said, told Indianapolis Star, we felt like someone was in the room with you, someone breathing down your neck. The reverend, uh, he actually performed a total of three exorcisms, one on LaToya, um, or all three were on LaToya. After the third exorcism, um, he burned a piece of paper with the demon's name on it. And Latoya started to feel normal again. Uh, she, then her and uh, her mother moved back to Indianapolis, and she regained custody of her three children in November 2012. Um, and they were just happy to put the memories of the demon house behind them. So this house was actually later purchased by paranormal investigator uh, Zach Baggins. Yeah, he didn't go in the house, right? Not nah, he demolished it. He said no thank pieces you. of of the basement for his Las Vegas museum. Yeah. Um, but, but see, tearing it down is not going to do anything. If the vortex of the portal is in that place or whatever, that ripping, whatever, that bale. But if they exercised it, girl, um, I don't think they even really know how to. They did three exorcisms on that woman. And like, come on. Honestly, something has to happen in that basement. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing so there was a lot of speculation. You know, there were some people that believed some that didn't. There was. A little information here and there so um like the doctors and stuff they all thought that the mother was um trying to was telling the kids to act, to act like that because apparently she was behind on rent oh she was i think they, i saw somewhere where it said like she was maybe up for eviction or something like that um now that's a new scream i never heard that one before <laughs> 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 hey, 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 y'all. Do what you gotta do. This one. Start acting crazy. It is. Possession. That's the best. Possession. Stuff. And you know what? You could get away with all kinds of uh, spooky stuff. All kinds of spooky stuff. Mm -hmm. Forget payday loans. Forget don't you donating want... plasma. Forget. We're going straight to possession. We don't have to go to the Catholic charities. The Catholic charities don't end up coming to us. us. Like, I got this off. <laughs> we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. <laughs> and so when I was looking at all the stuff, you know, the psychologist says that, you know, the boy, he only, he acted possessed whenever he was asked challenging questions. Mm -hmm. So I could just picture this little eight-year-old boy in this interview, this, psychi you know, psychiatric evaluation. And they're asking, like, so what do you enjoy to do? And he's like, oh, I like to play video games. I like to do this. Hey, and what about your mom? Like, how's life with your mom? Hell <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Like, that's immediately the image that came to I'm done. <laughs> a fork in the eye of death. I'm yeah. sorry. Sorry, I just hollered y'all. But that was gold. Y'all should have saw her face. <laughs> y'all should have saw her fucking face. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, that is the story of the demon house. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
my case is coming from Decatur, Illinois. Um, involved like <laughs> involving Melvin Johnson. Um, the city he was born in was not clarified, but he was born 1958 somewhere in Illinois. I'm just going to go on a whim and say somewhere indicated in St. Louis, indicated, <laughs> <in> St. Louis <laughs> Chicago, whichever. Somewhere he was born. And yeah. he died October of 2003. His span of crimes went from 1984 through 1988. His victims were Sherry Gordon, Teresa Hall, Patricia Hall, Sandra Hobson, and John Woods. So starting with Sherry Gordon, uh, Teresa Hall, and Patricia Hall, um, they all vanished on Halloween night, 1984, while they were trick-or-treating. So Sherry and Teresa were found strangled to death and molested in their Longview Beach, uh, Longview Beach, Longview Place, um, which was a housing project in Decatur, Illinois. Um, it caused a huge uprising in the neighborhood, which made people feel unsure and unsafe about letting their children go out on Halloween. Well, mm -hmm. I feel like that should have still been the same like standard for any other day, not just Halloween, but growing up. Mm -hmm. Like, especially if you grew up in a super churchy household, you know how your parents and grandparents felt about Halloween. Most evil night in the world. So yeah. so then um he was never really linked to this, these murders or anything, but just wait, because shit gets weird. So a year later, well, not even a full year later, on April 2nd, 1985, his next victim was Sandra Hobson. So her body was found in the, her Decatur apartment by her five-year-old son, Arcadio. Oh, the autopsy had concluded that she was sexually assaulted, smothered with the pillow, then stabbed multiple times. So based on her son's testimony of what he had given the police, he, the police had arrested Bruce Casey, who was 25 at the time, and Irma Britton, who was 43 at the time. These two actually happened to be relatives of Sandra Hobson. They were arrested after the prosecutors decided uh, uh, they were going back and forth with the statement of the little boy. And then uh, they felt like they didn't really have a lot of substantial evidence. So uh, they decided not to press charges but they kept Bruce Casey in jail and he was ordered to stand trial. So because uh, Casey, he was picked from the lineup. Um, like I, I stated in a previous podcast, a lot of the times they'll give you a lineup to look at people who were involved in the case or could have been involved. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be somebody who looks, it's, it's going to be always the person that actually did it. And maybe three or four other people who didn't do it, but who you might consider. Like so, that may look like or that may, resemble her yeah. favor. Yep. So uh, the police, they decided to like stick with the statement that he was given and still kept him. So once they realized it was still like a lack of evidence and a judgment of like a, a five-year-old child, they decided that it wasn't substantial and they had acquitted him on all charges. So the case for years had actually went cold. So another fucked up part about this was April 30, um, 30th of 1988, um, he had another victim. So this man is just out here doing all these heinous crimes and not being linked to shit. So 
while everything is going on, this man moving scot free. He he has this whole plan of how like he's just gonna get away with shit and just kind of like casually nonchalant move on with life. Yeah. So April thirtieth, nineteen eighty eight, his lover, the the man he was with, he stabbed him. Um, his name um he went by John Woods. They were dating for some time. Uh, the situation of why he stabbed him was like no not there nobody said anything so we're just gonna go out on a whim and say maybe it was some type of dispute but at the end when i tell you <laughs> how these things got linked you could probably draw your own conclusion i'm gonna take a guess <laughs> the man his lover he didn't watch the bitch mm, we, we can he let the toilet seat up, up something we could we could pin that we could what you think he asked him one too many times to take out the trash. I think y'all need to think a little deeper. Oh, I was about to say, these are all stabbable offenses. Absolutely. But let me think. Um, <laughs> he, he got mad because he had erect bowel dysfunction. Not everything's mad. But you know what? Um, there's pills for that. <laughs> well, at that time, was it? I feel like there's always something. In the 80s? Hey, it could have been. Oh, oh 80s, it was yeah, yeah, it was something. Come on now. <laughs> okay, so um, once, you know, he stabbed him, he did his thing. Of course, you know, he just kind of wandered off. Mm-hmm. But his plan was he attempted to cover up his tracks by making the crime scene of John's apartment look like it was a burglary that had went wrong. Girl, listen, oh. I'm so tired of people trying to pin it up. Because they don't even know how to pin it appropriately. You don't know how to do it right. Make you know, it look good. Look. Ain't nothing even gone. Ain't nothing missing. Ain't... But it's a burglary. But wait. There's more. <laughs> there was an anonymous wait. phone call to the police mentioning the bloody murder of John. Up on autopsy, it was clear that Woods was stabbed to death, sustaining total fatal injuries from being stabbed in the heart and being stabbed in the lungs. Okay. So no, you just kind of like bow, 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 bow. Or was he in the back? Like bow, bow, bow. You know, we trying to mm-hmm. put it together. So the cops had announced two people of interest. One was uh, at a Hardee's with Woods, Girl. a white male. And then they said that it was also that uh, John Woods was with a black male leaving the YMCA. So you remember how I said <laughs> there was a dispute. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, how many days apart did they see this man at Hardy's with him? Mm-hmm. So it could have been a situation of uh Melvin, like, oh, so I'm hearing or oh, I seen that she was with somebody at Hardy's. No, this and now you done pissed me off. It was one of their friends, saw him at Hardy's, went ran and told it. Then it comes to it wasn't that Hardy's baby. This was a you said this was indicator, right? Yeah, I know which Hardy's it was. Ooh. So, so like, ooh, bitch, I got tea for you. I saw your man's with another man in Hardy. Somebody said they saw you on the person was, that, that you was with was the Miho. It was Sharon Price. Right. Mm. So nothing ever came of the searches. So that case had remained unsolved. So again, this man chilling, scot-free. Mm. So because... uh. They had already like considered Johnson a strong suspect in a in a murder um of him of uh John Woods. He didn't have a credible alibi. 
So it was kind of like, hmm, something fishy. Not really, but we, you know, we going to put a pin in it. So they like, we on your ass. But we, we, got you, we, we got you in a memory bank. We, we got you in a memory bank. So the things that he did was he stole a knife from the home that matched the murder weapon through the evidence, Get but him. that was not uh, sufficient enough. Wait a minute. The murder weapon is not It him? was not sufficient enough How? for them. And why? He was let go. Girl, baby. So, wait, so what they wanted to do, they wanted to catch him with a, a full-blown video? Here's the murder uh, weapon. Nothing was better than a confession. Mm-hmm. So. Girl, bye. How did he get it then? How how did he just get that? It just First appeared. of all, where people go wrong at, and this is from somebody who watches a lot of crime TV. We like crime TV. We like, mm-hmm. I will go to sleep watching Discovery ID. I don't, it's mm-hmm. a comfort show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm too cute for jail, so no, I don't ever plan on harming anybody. Um, <laughs> But what I will say is when people commit these murders and they have like a lot of like like shit going on and they taking shit, they moving shit, they touching shit, blood splatters, they do, they doing all this excessive cleaning, they taking shit out the house. You You're know, you much. making it, you doing too fucking much. Mm-hmm. You are doing way too Y'all fucking much. <laughs> because like I don't I like will watch these shows. She stole this off the mantelpiece. Bitch, why would you touch any fucking thing? The thing is, is when you start making too many moves, you make errors because you have to calculate every mm-hmm. single thing that you do. There's a possibility. Every time you touch something, you can leave something behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time that you touch something, you are now leaving Y'all a piece of evidence. Y'all gotta stop telling these people how to get away with murder. I'm not uh, trying to... Try, you you wear your fucking hair down, you motherfucking... Why are got you on not, fake fingernails. I want full tie-back suits, gloves that are taped at the wrist, mask on the face, Make sure you showered and use the loofah before you went in. This like, what is the somebody in the last two? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm like, dump, come on. Pulling everything on. <laughs> and then stop throwing stuff in the dumpster right next to what come the place on. is. Oh, like, y'all have vehicles. It takes $20. You and can I drive think, anywhere. And I think you could put, put it in a neighbor's garbage that you don't like from the old neighborhood. Oh, shit. <laughs> And I'm y'all so y'all do so much at the same time. That's how like a lot of these crimes, like if people would get away with shit, a lot of the times it's because they do too much. Like you said, they got too many moves. Mm-hmm. Like you said, everything is supposed to be calculated. My nigga, no, you do not go to the bathroom in somebody's house you just killed. You your skin shared. You shed body flakes every single uh-huh. day. You shed a little bit of hair. A little bit of hair. An eyelash, an eyebrow, anything that mm-hmm. fell off your body, you sweaty mug, can be linked back to you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what deoxyribonucleic acid is? Tell so when y'all sneeze, oh when you cough, you doing everything. That shit can come back on your ass. And I was Mask, like, wait, this was the stupidest cold. fucking murder I, I ever heard. Suit. Y'all really didn't. I know. I, I it just set me off, y'all. I'm gonna have a little segment called Keith Rants, cause <laughs> God. Get together. Oh my lord. Okay. Do better. Do better. So because he was never linked to the crimes at the time, uh, he actually had went off to Texas. I don't know what's everybody obsession with running off to Texas for you know shit, why? but because all of the craziness is over. Geraldine. It's 
Geraldine has. It's, it's the oasis for the people. Ran out to Texas. So this man was, was serving time. Anything goes in Texas. Right. <laughs> and all of and my you know what? Let, let's actually shout out to Texas and they Buckies. That's probably why they went there, was the Buckies. Yeah, hell yeah. I fuck with Buckies, though. I, I discovered know. you can get chamoy uh, covered gummy bears. Baby, I'd go to Texas for that. <laughs> especially, especially after a good murder. You just want me some gummy bears. <laughs> Nothing like some gummy right. bears after mm-hmm. a good murder. So, um, he was on some unrelated charges in Texas, in a Texas prison. Um, he actually ended up succumbing to his, a combination of issues with stomach cancer and AIDS in October 2003. So he passed away in prison. So following his death, his DNA was submitted to CODIS, which is a system where they just, you know, store all DNA evidence, whatever. Um and it was an attempt to match him to unsolved cases. So mind you now, when these people are rape victims, blah, 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 any DNA, any evidence, any like thing that they have to link anybody to anything, it's all in this database. Mm-hmm. So um, in February 2009, his DNA matched to Gordon and Hall, resulting in the closure of that double murder that happened on Halloween. Okay. That actually warmed my heart a little bit, but so many years went by. And then he was also linked to the murder of Hobson and Woods. He was also linked to a murder of a Millican University student in 1980 and in another Indiana killing. So as of July 2022, no new findings have been reported. So everything came back on his ass and may he rest in hell. Have a good one there. Hope it's warm. <laughs> Okay, so for my segment, we will be talking about Bachelors Grove, which is in Illinois. Um, this area was settled in about 1820s, and this area had a very large number of immigrants that kind of started moving into the area from 1830s, 1840s, and it was basically English, Irish, and Scottish settlers that came into the area and lived and made it their home. Um, they moved across the country. Um, and one of the first migrations that moved people a little west from New York, Vermont, and Connecticut. Um, the area that it's um, in really has a lot of different, um, basically like territories, but they're all different wooded area lands, and that's why they're called groves. In that area, you have Bachelors Grove is one. You have Walker's Grove, Gooding's Grove, Cooper's Grove. Blackstone Grove, and there are a few more Timberland areas that are around it. Um, People settled there with their families and they used it for living and also for forms of business because of the timber. Um, In this time, they had a man who was basically responsible for managing the areas. Um, His name was Stephen R. Beggs, and he took care of Walker's Grove, but then when they incorporated this area in Des Plaines, um, it included the Bachelor's Grove. Now one, well, two really um, interesting things were these settlements were named after the families, the first families that moved there. So people call it Bachelor's Grove and spell it like the word bachelor, like a male bachelor, but actually 
It wasn't that at all. It was bachelor bachelor's row. And then over the years, it was just shortened to be like bachelor's row. Okay. Um, so how does it end up on a spooky list? Mm. Well, well shit. Let me tell you. Just imagine you have all these different people of different faiths and beliefs that are moving here. They already have superstitious beliefs. I mean, if you look at um, different ethnic groups of English, so you're talking about the Irish, the Scottish, they have different superstitious backgrounds anyway. And then you add in the next migration of people that came in, which was Germanic people. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about all different people's different walks of lives. And you have a a melting pot of beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then you add on top of the beliefs, you have epidemics that came through. You had Spanish flu that went through. You had so lots of deaths and all that kind of thing. And then the natural things that happen, like regular people's proclivities to murder and disputes and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So over the years, over the years, (laughs) lots and lots of things happen. Um, but we're only going to focus on two type of paranormal things that have been um, documented, recorded, and said by several people. Maybe had small little things to change, but it is something that has been over time. This is what people are saying. So let's come around to present day. We are in like 1960s, 1970s. Um, at this point, Bachelors Grove has a cemetery upon wooded areas but the homes that people lived in are no longer people aren't really living there like they used to it's really pretty much just reserve areas but you have highways that cut through so people are driving all times of day nighttime daytime driving through these areas that are seen as spooky because they're kind of like ghost towns like it's not popping like it used to be so there have been in the 1970s there were cars that just disappeared in their last known location were in Bachelors Grove. Oh, shit. Here we go. So when you get off of the Midlothian Turnpike, it takes you right near the cemetery. So these- I know where that is because yeah. I get to Midway that way. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> so you come off the Turnpike and there is this cemetery that's pretty much, you're driving and it's like a, a line of trees, but you can kind of see it poking through. the uh-huh. and People have reported when they're driving, they see a car stalled out or sitting on the side of the road. And as they're passing and looking in their rearview mirror, there's nothing there. People have also reported that when they pass by, they feel chills or they feel like uh, like that prickly, tingly sensation when they're driving by. Um, other people are reported of saying that they are driving behind a vehicle and only when they go to pass it, the car just disappears. Like, oh, can, no. you, can you imagine? You're... Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So here is an account um, of the phantom car. Mm. It's going to be fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the couple were at the corner of Central Avenue and the Midlothian Turnpike, looking both ways and seeing that there was no vehicle in traffic in either direction. The driver proceeds to make his turn. And when he goes to make his turn, out of nowhere, a speeding brown sedan races in the direction of the cemetery and crashes into a couple of cars. A thundering uh, implosion was felt, and he heard the sound, okay? Mm -hmm. 
glass shatter. You can hear an audible shattering of the, of the glass. And as the couple exit the vehicle, they are astonished that the brown sedan just fades right in front of them. Oh, hell no. Nope. Making manners worse, the other vehicles had no damage on them. Even though they visually saw a brown car racing, bam, smashing, crashing, all these sounds, the cars are fine. They was high. It could have been. It could have been the shrooms. Yeah, and they do have legal weed. But you know, I can tell you one thing. I will say, never, never have I ever Mm -mm. had visual hallucinations from it. I tell you, I might have thought I had some conversations. Yeah. I I never had visual hallucinations. No, I never had visual hallucinations. I feel like that's something else. That is something else. Mm -hmm. Entirely. Okay. Uh, uh, Well, Ask Smokey. It'll do it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, another account is that some people say that they drive by this area, this turnpike in the cemetery, and then their car just stalls out. Nope. And then they go look at the car, you know, get under the hood, see what's going on. And then, you know, they got the other person there trying to start the car. Starts up by nothing, nothing wrong. Just stalled out. Nope. You don't, you don't want to go play there? No. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) and so those are some accounts, first-hand accounts of phantom car problems, sightings, and crashes. And this is all on your way to Midway, guys. So if you just start going, oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) anybody that's from anybody that's from this area knows that people that live out here hate. Going to Ohio. They hate having to pick up anybody from Ohio. Forget about it. You no. better call that freaking Uber. Something. Because, like, that's the first thing that somebody be like, Can you pick me up from the airport? Which airport? Uh-huh. Which one? Which one? Let me tell you something. When it comes <laughs> to airports, it's the person, people who live in the Midwest. If you say you coming into town, this is this is how you know we fuck with you. If you say I'm coming from O'Hare and we say, Oh, that means you need to find somebody else to do it. Yep. Yeah. But if you coming from me away, I got you. We That's got up the you. Street. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, 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 up the it's, street. it's up the street and around the corner, uh-huh. literally. But uh okay. and Mint Lothian, like the place she's talking about, is literally like right there near mm-hmm. uh midway. Takes, takes no time at all. Takes no time to get there at all. Mm-hmm. Um but Just yeah. thought, maybe if you're driving to Midway, find an alternate route. I mean, you can go around. There's ways yeah. to go around. You can it. see it, but you can definitely go around it. Midlothian mm-hmm. is very, it's kind of tiny, peculiar. Yeah. yeah, it's very. You can sneeze and be right through it. Mm-hmm. And then, so our next uh, fabled tale. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are the phantom farmhouses. Ooh. Okay. Now to the second portion of the lovely happenings of this area of Bachelor Grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tales of the phantom farmhouses. Now these are multiple accounts, things that people have seen. So these tales began to surface like and become publicly known in the 1960s. Um, and it would just be visitors because um, this area, it is wooded. It's like a preserve area. Mm-hmm. And then they have the cemetery, and there are a few structures that remain. Um, but most of the housing and stuff like that has been removed um, or grown over. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, 
you're going to see nature. So people used to walk through. Um, people actually used to be allowed to go into the cemetery, but because of so much desecration of the land, they closed that area off. Like you are not supposed to go in there. Um, but anyway, so in the 1960s, we start surfacing with these fun stories. And um, this happens both on the trails, in the woods, and by the turnpike in the cemetery itself. Reports began coming in that people saw, air quotes, houses. Um, and they would very rarely describe um, anything tangible, but basically saying that they saw a home, so they were walking to it to see it. And upon approaching, it just began to shrink. And it would get so small in size until it eventually disappeared from sight. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, also, it says that when they described the home, they claimed that the house was a white two-story colonial home with a porch. It had a swing. Like, these are multiple people reporting that this is what the house looked like and that it had soft burning lights on the windows. And it seemed to draw you in, like you would want to walk closer to it. Um, so people would see this house, they'd be walking to it, and then it would shrink until it vanished. Um... Then they would say, like, as they were walking around trying to find it, they never saw it again. Well, what is the crazy part is, is the description of this shrinking anomaly home really does match a structure that did exist in Bachelor Grove before. Um, It matches uh, a detailed report of a home that had been like one of the founding homes in the area. So when you look at the old maps and drawings, when you talk about the 1900s, um, it's not going to be an exact like uh, blueprint of a house necessarily, but it does show like the houses, the in the houses that would fit the description. Okay. Um, so anyways, on separate occasions, people claim that they had like this feeling of something grabbing their attention, right? Mm-hmm. And they would be kind of walking past the cemetery entrance and they would hear laughing or like someone was joking, telling a joke and then laughing. Um, and when they would get to where they got close to where they thought that they heard it, it was like it just stopped and it made them feel like they were crazy or losing it. Um, finally, they said that they would be walking after they heard this joke, like trying to get out of there and they would see this house. And it was just like a ghost house. Like it was there, but not there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in 2012, they were getting more reports of this, of this phantom home. And um, it says that first, people were starting to go there to visit and it was drawing people into it. But because of the multiple occasions of people messing around in it and because this is like right on the border of the cemetery, like I had said before, it was a lot going on and they just closed it off because it was just too many people coming in. And this is a sentence where people's family and loved ones are buried. So they just closed it off. But, you know, that is the story of the shrinking home. Well, Phantom Farmhouse drinking home. Shit, it's like fucking weird. And then I have one more little thing, but I couldn't find actual proof of it. But mm. I talked like 
this actually was given to me. The story of Bachelor Grove was given to me by one of my coworkers. He was like, you got to cover it. And I'm like, I got to figure out when we can throw it in. But um, he was saying that it has been said for years that Al Capone used to use the pond that is in Bachelor Grove to dump bodies. But when I was looking it up, they were saying there's nothing that's substantiated mm. of the bodies that were found. We love a good rumor. I we love, love a some good gossip. Yes. Tea. Give me the tea. <laughs> but yeah, so. I couldn't deal with something being there and not being there. Oh, you don't want to see the house that just that draws you in and then it shrinks away? Nope. You don't want that? I would go and get myself committed because I, I just would know that I've lost my dang mind. The one I think that would have got me was the brown car. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh-huh. To see a brown car, to hear it, to hear it, and then to watch it vanish. Mm-mm. So no, I gotta no, go. I got, I gotta go. I gotta go, and I won't be back ever. Mm-hmm. Have it. It's yours. You got it, ghost. I will not believe anything else that I see. Because you're like, wait a minute. Is that- <laughs> like I gotta touch everything now. Like those people that smell all their food. I gotta touch everything. <laughs> Is it cake? Like. Mm. They're like, man, we don't even want that cake that where she had her hands all through it. It's fine. I had to make sure it was real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. So, for our small business love segment, this week we have the Slay Cave. Two one nine. So, hey, Jess. So uh, with that, she is my go-to person who does my hair, my nails, my lashes. Uh, she does it all. She also has some lovely other ladies that work in her salon as well. Um, it's just kind of like beautiful to see it come to fruition because I've been like riding with Jazz till the wheel fell off and she just was like, you know what? We're going to put it back on. We're going to put it back on and we're going to keep trucking. So she has her own beautiful, beautiful salon. So I am very proud of her watching a dream come true in real time. So, uh, yeah, she does amazing work. The girls in her shop does amazing work, too. Um, Mary is going to go into a little bit about it and how you can book with them. Yes. So, again, this is Slay K219. That's S-L-A-Y-C-A-V-E-219. And uh, just some of the services she offers. She does offer courses for like lash. If you want to learn how to get that done, she offers that. Um, she offers at her shop uh, makeup, uh, nails, uh, steam treatments, wig installs, your silk press, your sew-ins. If you want, I make- did it all. Man, if you want a frontal closure, leave out. If you just need some maintenance, she got you. The extended ponytails. Y'all know the holidays coming up. Might as well go ahead and get it. Get it booked now. Yes, because she booked up. She don't book up. And I'm not moving my appointment around for nobody, period. Nobody. So, yes, so that's how you can book with her. You can just go to Slate Cave 219 and you'll be able to book on her website. If you have any questions, please just reach out. When you go, just say that, hey, Merck in the Midwest sent you that way, just so we can all show each other some love. I mean, yeah, so that's our small business love segment yes, of the y'all. day. Let's support us growing. Yes. <laughs> so this concludes today's episode. So if you have any cases you want to hear about, if you have any constructive criticism, some feedback, a shout out, 
a case you might want to hear, let us know. Email us at mercurymidwest at gmail.com. And also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. Bye. Bye. Bye.